turn in your New Testaments to John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, 12. It's one of the famous I am statements of Jesus Christ. And this is the word of God. Then Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. My brothers-in-law and I decided to take a little adventure, a little day trip one day, uh, into one of the wildest places that you can go. It's called the Coosa Wilderness. It's over in Alabama near Anniston, uh, back over there where uh, what, what Alabama people call mountains, uh, those hills over there by uh, by Anniston. And we were vacationing nearby, and I was the guy that got him into it because I'd done all this research on the Coosa red-eye bass. There's only two places in the world that you can catch a Coosa red-eye bass, and one of them is in the Coosa River flowing through the canyon in, in the midst of those mountains there at, uh, at the, in the Chihau Wilderness. And so... You know, I had it all figured out. You could use a fly rod. You could use light tackles. We're going to have to go down and get in the river and wade up the river. It's a real shallow, rocky river. And so we parked the car and we start going down. And none of us had any idea how wild this place was. It was, it was like there really weren't paths. You know, it was kind of like animal trails to maybe we parked in the wrong place. I don't know. But so we're going down and it's just steep to get down this kind of mountainside into this river and we've got to find all these places and we've got to go through crawling on the ground almost with our fly rod to to get through and finally we got in the river and of course all the way down my four brothers-in-law are just making so much fun of me oh this is great joseph Uh, we are so glad you brought us here but then we got into the river and we started fishing up the river and wading up the river and we started catching the coosa red-eye bass Maybe because we're in a stretch of river that no one else ever dared to go down into. But there were lots of fish, and I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. You know, so we're just kind of, you know, back and forth with one another. And then something bad happened. It started to get dark. Now, that's not a bad problem in and of itself. The problem was is that there were canyons as we went up into the river and walls that, that got higher and higher. And, of course, me being the, uh, the avid fisherman I am, I didn't want to turn away from the fish we could catch. And, and so it was getting dark, and we needed to get... We knew the river went that way, and we knew the car was that way and that way. It's kind of back that way. So we, we didn't feel like we were going to get, get lost, but uh, so we went a little bit ahead, and, you know, those canyons never stopped. And it got darker and darker. And so we made a decision. We've got we to gotta turn around, and we've got to backtrack all the way back out of this canyon, and we've got to try to find our way up that hill and somehow find the car in the dark. And it was terrifying. And we finally found some little hole, you know, in the bushes and crawled up through. And, man, our knees were getting beat up on the rocks and there were briars. And, you know, maybe if, if, the, if the sun had been out, we could have avoided some of that. But we're just crawling around in the dark and we are scratched up and beat up. I mean, can you say the word deliverance? I mean, this is what is going on here, you know. And in the middle of it is a, a subplot that I won't go into it. And that is one of my brothers-in-law who stops us and says, you are leading us the wrong direction. We're supposed to be going the opposite. I said, no, 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 we're supposed to be going. And we had to take a vote in the dark as to who was right. And they knew, I said, I've got a better sense of direction than you. So they decided to go with me. And I thought, man, if this doesn't work out, I will never live this down. 
And uh, a long time later, we finally made it out and we finally got to our car. And by the time we got back to Gina and the girls and all the other families, we came in two hours late, dinner was cold, and we just looked like we'd been through a war. You know, just scraped and... And 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 look, I've 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 heard legends about people that went into the Coosa wilderness and never returned. I mean, people that like used to live in Alabama that don't live where they used to anymore because this is so wild. Hopefully, I will never be stupid enough to ever again be caught in the wilderness after dark. To be caught in the wilderness when it's dark. You've stumbled in the dark before, haven't you? You've hit your foot. You've fallen down. I mean, it's just so frustrating, especially if you have to go fast for some reason in the dark and how scary that is. In our text, Jesus is telling the people and and telling us most people in this world wander in the wilderness in the dark. But you don't have to. I am the light, Jesus said. Jesus spoke these words in Jerusalem. He spoke these words at one of the great feasts of the Jews called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Six months after the Passover, this was an incredible feast. Every male Israelite was required to attend this feast. And uh, you couldn't stay in town. You had to stay out in these little makeshift tabernacles or tents. And so there's like these huge cities of tents. And the reason you did this is the whole Feast of Tabernacles was to kind of reenact and to be able to celebrate God's faithfulness to the children of Israel while they were wandering in the desert after they came out of Egypt. And so they're kind of reenacting the faithfulness of God. And God gave them manna in the desert. And God gave them water in the, in the desert. In fact, there's a big ceremony about water in the, in the middle of this, this particular feast. And, and so every day they'd come in from their tents and there would be special sacrifices. And finally there would be this huge culminating thing, you know, at the last day with all of them. But The other thing that the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated wasn't just that God was faithful once upon a time in the desert, in the wilderness. It was also during the period of harvest. And so it was to say, as the the, the grain was starting to come in, you know, God loves us too. God is just as faithful to us now as he was to the Israelites in the desert. Praise you, Lord, that you are still the same faithful God that we can count on. But that wasn't even what the main thing that the feast was known for. The main thing was the celebration that was had after dark on the first night. When it would be pitch dark in this huge area in the temple called the Court of the Women. And there were four gigantic candelabra. I mean, huge with multiple lamps and, I mean, taking up. A massive wall space in the temple. There was these four huge candelabra. And at a certain time, they would light these candles and the dark temple would just glow with brightness. And they would celebrate this light. And they would dance before the Lord. And uh, look, you know, in those days, when it got dark, you went to bed. Because there, there weren't any street lights 
There weren't any parking lot lights. There weren't even lights in your house. I mean, you know, you had a little oil lamp, you know, or you might have had a little little candle. And so, you know, there just wasn't a lot of light. There wasn't a whole lot to do in Israel after dark and, and you know, no, no porch lights, no, none of this. And so when the Jews, who never see bright lights after dark, when they're all in the temple, and then, whoa, it just it's br- almost as, feels like almost as bright as day. People would remember this year after year, and they would bring their children, and this was a great moment. And then the striking up of the praises and all the dancing before the Lord. You remember when you were a child, maybe this is what it was like. When you were a child, and you were a little child, you had to go sleep at dark, right? I mean, I, you know, my parents, we made my children, we, we would sleep before dark, you know. And um, you had to go to sleep at dark, but every once in a while your parents would say to you, you, you get to stay up tonight because we, we're having a party tonight or we're going to some event tonight and you get to stay up. And so, you know, you're, you're staying up and maybe the party's at your house and all the lights are on, you know, for this party. And outside on your back porch there are just tiki torches everywhere, you know, and, and it's just this glow, this, this extraordinary light. And you're like, this is so cool. Or maybe your your parents take you to some bonfire, you know, a hayride or a bonfire at your church like we're going to do at Highlands Family Christmas. And, and there you are. It's after dark and you're around this enormous fire. And it's just so bright and you just see all around. And you look across the fire and you see the, the faces of all the people just lit up and dancing in the light of the fire. When you're little, that's a, you know, that's just quite an experience. Well, well even more so for for these Jewish people as, the, as those lights just came on. The light symbolized something very important. Remember, it's about the faithfulness of God. It's about the provision of God, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles or of booths. Well, do you remember when they were wandering in the wilderness? Was it dark for them at night? But they were in the desert. You talk about dark, dark and cold wilderness, but not for them because there was this enormous shaft of light. They called it, the only words they had to describe it was a pillar, like a huge shaft of, of fire and, and, and sparks and incredible life. It's, it was called the, the pillar of fire, and, and, and the pillar of fire would just light up the desert. And the pillar of fire, when it moved, they would follow it. It was like a giant headlight just opening up just un- unearthly brightness across the desert. And they would, they would follow this light. And, and they understood that the light was the glory of God himself. They understood that, that that pillar of fire meant that God was with them. That God not only was giving them food and water, but God's presence, you see, gave light and and gave that direction. Remember the first time this showed up? You remember the first time this showed up? Is when they were backed up against the Red Sea. And here comes Pharaoh's chariots. You've seen the movie, right? <laughs> here they come. And it's 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 like cancel Christmas. It's over. Defenseless Israelites and suddenly this 
bro, huge pillar of fire comes and the Egyptian army has to put on the brakes on their chariots because of the furious glory and brightness and heat of this pillar of fire. They dare not go near it. It's amazing. God's glorious presence. And so, you know, that moment when they're all in the dark in the temple, they're, they're in there, the sun's going down. They know what's about to happen. It gets darker and darker and darker. And at just the right moment in the dark, there is a lighting of these enormous candelabras that just fills the temple with light. And there's just a cheer and praises and dancing. Oh, God, it's just like when you were with the children of Israel. You are still the providing God. And folks... It was just at that moment when the lights came on that Jesus stepped forward and said in a loud voice, I am the light. It was amazing. It was riveting. I am the light of the world, he said. And look, in the context of that feast, they all knew exactly what he meant because... The Feast of Tabernacles and the lighting of that light not only looked back on God's faithfulness, it looked forward to the Messiah and the fact that God would send His Messiah and He would be with them and He would conquer all their enemies by His power and just bring the brightness and glory of the kingdom and sit on David's throne forever. And so when Jesus stepped forward and said, I am that light, what He was saying was, I am the Messiah. I'm the one that you are waiting for, that you are longing for in your worship in the temple. And not only is he saying I'm the Messiah, he's saying I'm God. I am the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire is the presence of God himself. I am here. I am the light. Think that was a controversial statement? Everybody knew what he was talking about. The Pharisees went Berserk. And they should. I mean, who is this guy from Nazareth who says he's the glory cloud, that he's Yahweh? Who is this guy from Nazareth who says that he is the Messiah who would come into the world and, and, dest- and destroy the enemies of, of, of Israel? Look at the next verse, John eight thirteen. The Pharisees challenged him, and they should, by the way. Here you are appearing as your own witness, and your testimony is not valid. You stand up and say you're the Messiah. You stand up and say that you're God, and nobody's standing with you. You didn't bring anybody here to verify that. Your witness, by virtue of how our law has always worked, nullifies your own testimony about yourself. And Jesus basically said, there is nobody in this world that can testify to me because I don't come from this world. And there's nobody that has the insight and nobody has seen the Father and nobody can say with certainty but the one who came from the Father and that is me and that is why I speak alone and it is my Father who testifies with me and if you really knew my Father then you would believe in me. Look at verse 14. Even if I testify on my own behalf my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. 
but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. Wow. I'm the light. So we need to ask two questions this morning. What is the light that the one who said, I'm the light of the world, brings? And how do we get it? As, as a meaningful light of Jesus in our lives. What is the light? Well, Jesus tells us that the light is simply a relationship with God that comes from heaven to us. In other words, the light isn't just like light particles. It's, it's literally to be able to see Jesus for who he really is, have a relationship with God that comes from beyond us. Look at verse 23. You are from below, Jesus said. I am from above. You are from this world. I am not of this world. And Jesus is not of this world. And what he brings us is from outside of ourselves and outside of our world. And folks, it is really counterintuitive to imagine that we find the meaning of life outside of this world. I mean, we are told every day in our culture that, you know, really the meaning of life, you've got everything you need already inside of you. You just need to get in touch with it. And if it's not inside of you, surely there's the raw material with all the people you know and all the stuff you've got that you can put together enough and enough people and enough stuff in your life and with what you have inside of you to make a meaningful life, right? Jesus says, wrong. I'm, I'm not from this world and, and to have the light is to have a relationship that comes from outside of ourselves and outside of this world. In John chapter 1, if you'll go flip back just a, a few chapters there to John chapter 1, Jesus it, it, it defines what the light is. John 1, 4, in him... Remember, this is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through Him all things were made, and there's nothing that was made that, that is here that wasn't made by Him. And then we read these words, in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. In other words, the light is a relationship. The light is life. That comes from Jesus. One scholar states that light signifies life. Life brings the life-giving power in this world. Think for a moment of everyday, the everyday miracle we know as photosynthesis. This is a really interesting way of looking at this. What is photosynthesis? Y'all learn this, you know, in junior high, right, or something like that. Basically, light is what energizes what we, what we continue to have as far as life on the planet, because life is received by plants, and that ability to receive that light and transform certain elements into other elements that give the life, and then how other dimensions of the planet feed on the plants and all this, this this cycle that, that comes from the light, that the life comes from the sun outside of, of this world. Jesus wants to give us what Tim Keller calls the photosynthesis of the soul. 
meaning that he has come to be the light so that we can have relationship with him, meaning that there's only one thing that can give us true life, and it's not here, and it's not here. It is him and a relationship with him. And when we see him for who he is, when we see him in his glory, when we believe in him as the Messiah, he comes into our life, we have this, and there is a photosynthesis that happens from him coming from the outside that produces the life that God wants to give us. But you know, without him, Jesus says this, you'll just keep stumbling in the dark. And look, you can't scratch up a life in the dark. There's just nothing lying around in the dark that you can put together, that you can compound together, that you can build, that you can fashion or combine that will give you life. And we all know it because we all have tried to put it together and it never pays off and it always leaves us hungrier than when we started. Can't scratch up a life in the dark. In fact, Jesus says, if you don't put your trust in me, you'll die in your sins. I have come to be the life. I have come to give you life. I have come from another world to give you what you really need. Look at verse 23 of John 8. He continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are from this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. I mean, did Jesus mean the word? I'm he. I'm the light. The life is the light of men. It's life. There is no life, real, true, abundant, and eternal life outside of me. And if you do not believe that I am who I say I am, You will indeed, he says, die in your sins. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that most people walk in darkness. That's what he's saying. Now look, he's not saying, let me tell you something. Most people walking in darkness and they don't have the light and I just want to punish them all. That is not what's being said. If that's the way you look at Jesus, you're just wrong. Jesus is standing up in the middle of a people who are walking in darkness and he's saying, look, I am the light and you don't have to walk in darkness. I've come from heaven. I've come to be that Messiah, that Savior for you. And if you put your trust in me, you can walk in the light. In other words, there's something very proactive, something very loving about Jesus saying that I am the light of the world. But the, peop- the problem is, is that people don't, A, understand the light, and they run away from the light. John says at the beginning of his gospel in John 1, 5, the light shines into the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's just, that's just talking about the world the way it is. Folks, it's, it is, I'll say again, it is very counterintuitive to not at the end of the day believe that all the answers that you really need aren't just right here inside of you. All the answers that you really need somehow, some way, are in this world. And if you just were to discover 
discover through spirituality, discover through science, discover through whatever it is you think you can discover it through and put it together, then you will have life. People are ignorant. Light shines into the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You know what the darkness said that day? Who in the world are you? But the other problem is, is, is we run from the light. John 3.19, if you'll turn there. I mean, this is just straight up. It starts with these words. This is the verdict. The jury's in. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That is, we like our darkness. That is to say that finding life for ourselves in the dark is a passion for us. And a relentless pursuit. No matter how many times we fall on our face and scrape our nose or break our ankle falling in the dark only to cue it up for one more dream, one more hope, One more attempt to find life in the dark, only to fail again, only to say, but maybe it's something else. You can read the book of Ecclesiastes, and Solomon will give you an entire list of everything he tried, and it's all the stuff that we tried to find life in the dark, and he finally came to the conclusion you can't do it. That everything that is meaningful finally comes from that which is above the sun, not under the sun. And then when we have him, the things under the sun have meaning as well. We're passionate about finding our life in the dark. The verdict is in, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. Do you know how broken the world is? You ever notice this? Do you think that people in the world are just naturally following the light and what we see out there in the world in human relationships, in family relationships, in government, in schools, on sports teams is the, the fruit of all the unity and love and grace of people who naturally walk in the light? Do you realize that most of the people who lead and run the governments on this earth have no clue? And they walk in the darkness. And none of those solutions will ever be the solution. Because it's just trying to find life in the dark. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. It's a relationship. With Christ who has come from heaven to us and done all that we need. How do we get the light? That's the second thing. How do we get the light? To go from darkness to light, Jesus says this. We must follow him. Do you see that? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Again, follow him. It doesn't mean simply obeying a list of rules. You know, Jesus doesn't post the 49 rules of the house. To follow him, again, means to walk with him. 
to be with Him because He has come to be with us, to walk with Him, to follow Him, to experience Him, to have our lives changed by Him, by His mighty power as we walk with Him. Jesus said this a few verses down in the same chapter about the light of the world. He said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak what the Father has taught me. Hear what Jesus is saying? is right now you're asking who in the world are you? There will come a time and you will lift me up on a cross and from that moment until the last moment in history I will be the primary topic of spiritual conversation in the world. And he is. And he is. This is how you'll know, is you'll lift me up and you'll know. Because it is by the death of Jesus that people will finally see. When the early church went out into the Gentile world to, to give the gospel to the pagan, you know, the Roman and Greek pagans out there, I mean, they didn't change the message. They basically said, here's who God is who created the world. Here is the good intention of God for us to have a relationship. This is why that relationship is broken by our sin and rebellion and why the world's so dark. But don't fear. God himself has come into the world and he has lived and he has died on a cross and he has raised. He has taken the penalty for our sins and, and made good on that penalty so we would never be condemned if we just believe in who He is as He's lifted up. He has defeated death and He gives us life that's eternal and abundant through His own power, through the resurrection. That's simply what the apostles preached when they went out into the world. I mean, it just wasn't that fancy. It's just the gospel. It's from outside of yourself. It's believing in Him. But you know, to to follow Jesus also means to obey Jesus and we learn that also deeper down in this same chapter. I mean, it's kind of trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy with Jesus. But to trust and obey, it's like trust or believe and obey and, and believe and obey and repent and believe and trust and obey. You know, this is what it looks like. Ephesians 5.8 is a startling verse to me. The first part's not startling at all. The first part simply says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The light of the world has come to you. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Here's the starting point. Live like children of light. Walk with Him. Let Him change you. See, Jesus doesn't come into our hearts for us to stay the same. There's that old saying, you know, we come to Jesus just as I am, but He doesn't leave me just as I am. That God actually has good plans for our lives. God actually wants to bring peace and, and, and joy and, and love and forgiveness into our lives. He wants us to experience those. He wants us to give them to one another. But you know the truth is? If you've never put your trust in Christ, you can put your trust in, in the one who's the light of the world. When you lift me up, when they lift me up, they'll, you'll know. That's how you come to know me. You put your trust in what I've done on the cross. You can do that this morning. But I want to tell you, there are lots of us who walk with Jesus, and uh, myself included. And we don't always want to go with him in our lives. There are times when we believe the lies of the world. And this is, you know, this is where I'm going to find it, right here. 
and we lapse into this mindset of darkness, we believe the lies of the world, and there are lots of lies in the world that would take us away from it's not inside of you and it's nothing around you. Those things only have meaning by the one who came from heaven. And look, whatever those things are, they don't work in the dark and they don't work in the light either. Because only Jesus gives true light and life. About six months ago, I discovered a song by Bebo Norman that just rocked me. I mean, the first time I heard it, I just stopped the, the MP3 player. I was stunned. I almost started crying. The, the song, for those of you who are BMO Norman fans, is called Brittany. And, and what he did was he wrote a song from the point of view of a father to daughters. And we might, by extension, say sons. And this song is a collective apology for the lies that we believing fathers have perpetuated on our children and the devastation that comes from the lies that we have been accomplices to in the life of our kids. I want to read to you just the first verse. Brittany, I'm sorry for the lies we told. We took you into our arms and then left you cold. Brittany, I'm sorry for this cruel, cruel world. We sell the beauty but destroy the girl. You mind if I just walk down here with you for a minute? I'm going to stop right there because I want to say something that needs to be finally said in church. If you are a young, I'm speaking to the young ladies here. If you are a young lady and if you think you have to be Miss Mississippi Beauty Queen to be okay, then you are living a lie. And it will eat your soul. Let's don't feed poison to our children. Because you can't scrounge up life in the dark. And that's all that is, is poison. It'll hurt your soul, and in its worst extreme, it will physically kill the child. And you know exactly what I mean when I say that. Brittany, I'm sorry for this cruel, cruel world. If we sell the beauty but destroy the girl. It goes on, Brittany, I'm sorry for your broken heart. We stood aside and watched you fall apart. I'm sorry. We told you fame would fill you up. And money moves the man. So drink the cup, darling. Do you see it? I think of so many ways that I buy into the lies that do not lead to life and lead me away from life and the present experience of life and how my own heart, just like yours, is captured by different things and how my own soul is only bruised and just scraped by the briars of my own foolishness. Jesus' words, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. These are encouraging words to me. And I'll tell you why. It's because, because the, the reality of him is the overarching reality. 
The reality of Him is the overcoming reality for anyone who has put their trust in Jesus lifted up. Light will win. Light's going to win. And light is real life. And darkness is fake life. The light's going to win. And you may have had cave-ins and you may have had setbacks. But there is a God, if you've put your trust in the one who said, I am the light of the world, who is still at work in you. And he will love you enough to bring you back into his loving arms and give you that which is the life that is truly life. How, what are we going to have to go through to, to come to him? Follow me is a present participle here in the Greek. It means to continually walk with the one who loves us. You know, at the bottom of it all, and if you've put your trust in Jesus, then this is where you're coming from too. I see how fickle my heart can be. But at the bottom of it all, in the deepest place of my longing, Jesus is the one I want to follow. Because he's the one. And I tell you why. Because Jesus knows me, knows me, and he still loves me. He knows all about me. And He still loves me because He has paid for my sins. Jesus convicts me and you and He disciplines us to lead us back to closeness with Him and the joy of a clear conscience and, folks, the power of love experienced and given to other people which is a big part of the meaning of life. And he will never lead us anywhere that is not for our good. Even though it may be painful, we must trust him and he will bring us through and it will be for our good and it will be for maximum glory to him. I want to close by reading a verse that we started with in the call to worship today. The prophet Isaiah foresaw and foretold about the light of the world. It is Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great life. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and the increase of his peace there shall be no end. Jesus said when those candelabra were lit, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you shine the reality of your light 
into our hearts that we might see with unveiled face the radiance of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Lord, would you help us to not make this more complicated than it is? Never put your trust in Christ and you'd like to have Him. Just pray with me, Lord. I turn away from everything I've called religion and simply put my trust in what you've done, Jesus, when you were lifted up. Thank you that even now you've come into my life. Lord, I, I, I want that relationship to be close. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you and we're all over the highway at different times in our lives. Lord, would you convince us of the fake life that we're counting on to be true life? And would you grant us, yet again, through repentance, that closeness and the beauty of the light that is life in you? Amen.